Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. God is faithful. He's faithful to you. We never want to question God's faithfulness. We never want to doubt His faithfulness. No matter how things may look in life, we never want to question Him and say, Why, God? Why are you? Why are you? Why are you? Why are you? God's good. And He's faithful to do exactly what He says. What he says. Not just what he said, but what he says. Have you know, God's word is still speaking today. God is still talking to us today through the written word of God by the Holy Spirit. And he's faithful to lead us and to guide us. He's faithful and true. He's true to his word. So he's going to do exactly what he said. So we've just got to align ourselves to his word. Trust in him. And know that it's all going to come to pass. If we trust in the Lord, it's all going to come to pass. Everything he has promised is going to come to pass. Why don't you say that when we say it's all going to come to pass? It shall all come to pass. Hallelujah. What is the all? All that you're believing. All that you're believing. Well, what do you believe in? Well, you believe in the word. Well, there's a lot there in the word. Specifically, what are you believing? In the word of God. See, we want to get specific with God. Get in the word and Find out exactly what God does, what he wants to do in your life, and then get in faith concerning what he says. Really, getting in faith is just simply getting in agreement with God. Doubt and unbelief, doubting God, doubting what he says is just disagreeing with God. If you look at doubt and unbelief that way, then you see it'll really become repulsive to you. As repulsive to you as it is to God. Doubt and unbelief is repulsive to God. In fact, the Bible calls it evil. That's why over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3 or 4, it says, Beware brethren, lest their brethren. That's talking about people born again, children of God. Beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Of unbelief in departing from the living God. So uh, unbelief departs from God. It departs, not, maybe not fully to the extent that you're not saved. You know, and you're not going to spend eternity in heaven. No, you might go on and spend eternity in heaven. But you can depart from his perfect will for your life right here on earth. We want God's perfect will here on earth. We want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want God's best in this life. So we, want, we don't want to get in doubt and unbelief and depart from what he wants for us. Because again, what he wants for us is the best. It's the best. It's better than what you could even want for yourself. And everybody wants good things for themselves. Right? Who doesn't want good things for themselves? Let me see your hand. You don't want good things for you. No, we all want good things for ourselves. Right? We all want good things. Well, then follow him. And you'll have even better than good. You'll have even better than good. You'll have God. You'll have God who is good and a whole lot more. Say with me. Say, God is good and a whole lot more. Praise God. Why just have a good day when you can have a God day? 
right? Have yourself a God day. What's that? That's a good day and a whole lot more. Amen. Man, oh man, oh man. The best is yet to come. God has prepared great things for you and I. And for you and I, it's just going to go from faith to faith, glory to glory, greater to greater. And even when we pass from this life, that's not a bad thing. If you know him, that's the best thing. Because now there's nothing but him. Everywhere. He's in the trees. He's in the air you breathe. He is all over the atmosphere of heaven. So it only gets greater. It only gets better when we leave this life. So death, death itself isn't even something we're afraid of anymore. For us, it just gets better and better and better. Hallelujah. Now, some people, you know, they jump over from better to better and they just go to the best. They just go straight to heaven. But God, what he wants for us is to go from better to better to better to better here on the earth over into the best. And I think it's so that we don't have too much culture shock when we get to heaven. You know, if it's just, if it, you know, we just, we just go from living in doubt and unbelief and struggling through life. And then all of a sudden we step over in the glory. I mean, it's like nothing prepared you for it. Think about it. God wants to prepare you for the glory of heaven. He wants to prepare you for the awesomeness of heaven now. How does he do that? By causing you to have tastes of his goodness, tastes of his glory, tastes of his presence in your life right now. He wants you to experience heaven on earth a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And of course, this all starts where? On the inside. It doesn't start on the outside. It doesn't start in the car you drive. It doesn't start there. No, no, it starts on the inside. It starts on the inside. Experiencing and knowing God. Growing in faith. Growing in your understanding of him. And experiencing intimacy with the Lord. Growing in intimacy with him. What do you mean? Going deeper and deeper into God. Getting to know him in a greater, greater way. How many people want to go deeper and deeper into God? We're not looking to just, you know, go to church, ease a guilty conscience, make us, make us feel better about ourselves, you know, and, and just continue to live carnal, fleshly lives of an earthling. No, we want to live like heavenly beings. I said we want to live like heavenly beings. We want to walk in that glory of God, in that greater glory of God that he has for us here in this life. And we see that, you know, in the book of Acts. We're going to jump back into our series today. The book of Acts. And we saw that with the early church, how these folks got a hold of the power of God, a hold of the life of God. And I mean, they wouldn't let go. They, it didn't matter what came against them. It didn't matter what kind of persecution. It didn't matter if their lives were threatened. These guys had gotten a hold of God and they weren't letting go. And his power, therefore, was flowing into their lives. It was a continual stream of the power of God in their lives so that they were affecting people every day with the life of Jesus. People were coming to the Lord, getting saved every day. Daily, they were getting saved. They were coming, giving their life to the Lord because of the church, because of the people, 
because of the people of God, because they were so full of him, so full of his life. They were just overflowing. And they're an example for you and I today because we're the church. We're the church. And how many of you know it's only supposed to get better? It's not supposed to diminish. Nothing with God diminishes. I got news for you. God is in the adding and multiplying business. Now, the devil, he's in the subtracting and division business. He wants to divide and subtract. So if there's any dividing going on, if there's any subtracting going on, it's the enemy. But God wants to add. He wants to multiply. That's what he wants to do. So you think, you know, we go back to the book of Acts and the Christians, you know, back then, 2,000 years ago. Man, what they experienced back there multiplied over 2,000 years. What should we be like today? But unfortunately, there's, I think, been a, there's been more subtracting and division in the body of Christ throughout history than there has been adding and multiplying. There's been folks that have, you know, laid hold of God and increased and multiplied what they got. But we're supposed to be building generation upon generation. Generation. I mean, past generations are supposed to be handing us the baton and we're to be taking it further than they took it. You know, our our children are to outdo us. They're to go beyond us. They're to walk in greater wisdom, knowledge, understanding of God, greater glory, great, greater manifestations of the power of God than you and I. Yes. It's not supposed to diminish. Why would it diminish? How many people know the world's getting worse? Which means it needs God more. Yes. Does it need him less? With what they had back then, they needed. Yes. Well, guess what? If they needed it, you and I need it yes. a whole lot more. If that was a wicked and perverse generation, which is what Jesus called it, and they needed the power of God, they needed the manifestations of the Spirit of God, how much more wicked and perverse is this generation today? Come on, guys. They didn't even have HBO back then. (laughs) Right? They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have access to all this ungodliness. The touch of a button. They, they didn't have all that. They were wicked and perverse. But I think, I think the world today outdoes them. Well, then guess what? The church should outdo the early church. The church that we're reading about in the book of Acts. So we're looking at them to understand what a church is like. We're not looking at Baptists. We're not looking at Catholic. We're not looking at Presbyterian. We're not looking at this faith, that faith, all these different faiths. We're, not looking, at, we're looking at the Bible. We're looking at the Bible, and we're going to build our faith on that right there, on the Word of God. Not on, not on what we've seen in the religious world. Because a lot of what's going on in the religious world is a departure from Him. It's a turning away from Him. And it doesn't reflect the Word of God. And you have all these traditions of men that is robbing people of God's best for their life. So we can't allow ourselves to stumble over any sacred cows. You got to kick over the sacred cows. You know what I'm saying? That's what Moses did, right? The children of Israel, they came out of Egypt 
And uh, Moses said, now I'll be back. I'm going to go up that mountain there. And that's where the glory is. I'm going into the glory of God. So he goes, now I'll be, I'll be right back. Aaron, you watch over things. And so he goes up, Moses, and he goes into that glory of God. And he's just up there 40 days, 40 nights. Such power surrounded him. And the children of Israel down there on the earth, you know, said, hey, you know, Moses, we don't know what's become of him. You know, we, we, we need somebody to worship. We need somebody to worship. And so they decided they were going to build a golden calf. So they made this nice golden calf and they said, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt, that brought us out of slavery. And they began to worship this image of a calf that was made by all their gold. And they got down and they worshiped that. But what did Moses do when he came down and saw their sacred calf? Moses, when he came out of the glory, he got so mad. You know, when you spend time with Jesus, you spend time in the glory of God. Religion will make you mad. It'll make you mad. Jesus rebuked, he, he rebuked the religious people. He was rougher on the religious people than anybody else. I mean, he received sinners and tax collectors and he ministered to them. And a lot of those folks, he was able to do something in their life. But it was the religious people. He couldn't do anything for them. They were so hard hearted and stiff necked, just full of resistance to God's will, to God's way of doing things, you know. And, you know, Jesus, he was... He, he got more mad at them than anybody else. He said some of his toughest things to the religious people. John the Baptist did the same thing. Said some of the toughest things to those religious people. You know, you brood of vipers. You snakes. Called them uh, graves. He called them, uh, what do they call that? Whitewashed. Whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed. I mean, he was rough with them. He was rough with them. He never talked that way to, this, to the, you know, the average sinner. He didn't say that to the tax collectors. He, he said that to the religious people. Walked in the temple and started kicking stuff over, made a, a whip out of some cords and started hitting people, religious people, and drove them out of the temple. to get no business in here and drove them all out. See, Moses came down that mountain. He had spent time in the glory of God and there's this religion going on down there, this religious ceremony going on down there. Boy, he was furious. He came down there and the Bible says he took that golden calf and he beat the thing to powder. Just ground the thing to powder, threw it in the water and then commanded the people to drink it. And that's tough. Don't you think? And I believe they did. He came down, his face is glowing with the glory of God. He's full of the fire and conviction of the heaven. He says, drink it. They, oh, yes, Lord. oh, yeah. They jumped down. So they started drinking gold dust, you know. Religion will make you mad when you spend time in the presence of God because it robs people of God's best. It's a counterfeit God. There's a whole lot of counterfeit Jesuses out there. I'm just telling you. There's a lot of counterfeit Jesuses out there. And a lot of people don't even know. This is good, sincere people. Just don't, they don't know. They think they're going the right way. They were raised this way. But it's counterfeit. It's counterfeit. When I first gave my life to the Lord, you know, I was Catholic. I gave my life to the Lord. First place I went was, you know, to the Catholic religion. And that's where I, I would seek God. In fact, you know, it was pretty good. I went from watching MTV in the morning to watching the Catholic channel. That's, I mean, that's pretty extreme. You know what I'm saying? I, I, went, I went from, you know, getting, getting ready for work and having MTV playing to, uh, to, to, to watching the nun and the priest. There was this nun and the priest. They had this broadcast. 
And they were talking and everything. And I'm getting dressed. I'm just, I'm like, I never listened to a nun and priest like that in my life. I was raised in the church. My parents kept me in church, you know. So we would, we would go to church every Sunday. I went to, you know, Catholic school, first through eighth grade. And, uh, you know, I, I never was very interested. I never really paid attention. A lot of times I slept in church, you know. Church, you know, when you went over to church. And so now I'm sitting there trying to get dressed. And I've got the TV cranked up. And I'm listening to the Catholic priest and nun. Just, just learning anything. And I'm getting stuff. God's teaching me things, you know. And then I had some people share some things with me, and they, and they said, well, you know, there's, a, there's a, higher, a higher way. I said, no, 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 I'm a, I'm a Catholic. It was, kind of a, kind of, it was kind of offensive to me, you know. And the, you know, the lady actually led me to the Lord. You know, she was trying to, trying to help me to, you know, see, get, get in the Word of God and see some other things, you know. So finally, one day, I just asked God, I said, Lord, you know, Elaine is talking to me. There's some things here that aren't right. So I ask you. If, if anything here is not right that I'm listening to, I just, I just want it right. I said, if anything's not right, I ask you to show me. Because I'm getting stuff, you know, from it. I said, show me. I couldn't find anything wrong with it. I said, show me. I turned it on. And I mean, it was one thing after the other. That was error. And I didn't know a whole lot at the time. But God was showing me. He's like... You know, there's a, well, now we pray to Jesus and we also pray to Mary because that's, I said, well, wait a second, we didn't pray to Mary. What are you talking about? And all of a sudden, it was like somebody took a veil off my eyes and I started seeing things I didn't see before. And I knew, wait, no, wait a second, that's not the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. No, we don't do this. No, no, we don't do that. I couldn't watch it anymore. But isn't that interesting? It wasn't until I asked. Thus, Jesus said in Matthew, the seventh chapter, you have not because you ask not. It is so true. You have to ask him about everything. If you want to know something, you got to ask him. You can't just assume things and just assume God's just going to show you things. Well, God knows. If it's God, he's going to show us. No, no, no. No, if you want to know a specific thing, you got to ask specifically God concerning that thing. you got to ask him about stuff. And you think about how much we go, through, we go through life and we hardly ask him things. There's so much we're assuming. There's so much that we're just doing that, you know, we've heard. And we've just come to embrace and believe this certain way of thinking. And we just think, this is how it is. And so that was the first time it happened. I was amazed that I had simply asked and all of a sudden he revealed all this to me. So, you know, then there were other things that came up. And again, I'm going along, going along until somebody said something to me about it. It was actually a, a, a Bible teacher on the radio. And, uh, you, know, he, he, you know, he claimed to have all the answers, you know, to Bible questions. And so I used to listen to that. I'd get up from work. I'd turn that on. I'd just listen to that. And I was getting good stuff. I mean, he's teaching the Bible. I'm getting all kinds of stuff. I'm hungry as could be. You know, I just want to learn about God. I'm just digging in there. And then now I'm going to this other church. And uh, the lady, again, that led me to the Lord, she goes to the church and she told the pastor. So the pastor told, told the pastor what I'm listening to and stuff. So he said, now he's trying to be sweet to me about it. And he said, now, you, there's, there's some things there that might not be right in some of that teaching you're hearing on the radio. I said, oh, okay, thank you. I tried to be nice to him, but to me it was like, no, I'm getting great stuff out of it. I like this program. In fact, I even called in one time and asked a question. Got on the radio, you know. So... I, I, I thought, no, you know, I, I, this is good. But next time I went to go listen to him, I remembered what my pastor said. 
And I said, Lord, if there's anything that's not right here, I ask you to show me. Because, Lord, I want to be right. So you show me. Man, I turned that radio station on. It seemed like everything that came out of his mouth was error, wrong, full of contradictions. Full. He'd say one thing, and they say something else. And I was like, that's a total contradiction. And it wasn't because somebody said it to, said it to me that, you know, there was error there. It was because I asked God, and it, again, it was like a veil came off my eyes. So what are we saying here this morning? We're saying, don't take for granted that you know what's right concerning things. Ask. Ask. Ask him. He's your helper. I think it was last time I was talking about, you know, finding my keys, right? And I, and, and I went around looking for my keys. I didn't know I had them hanging on my belt. And I mean, I'm running around. I'm late. I got to, I, finally, I had the brilliant idea. Ask the Holy Spirit. He's with you. He's your helper. And he knows. I asked him. And I said, Lord, where are those keys? You know where they are. I mean, I put my hand on my waist, and there they were. But if I didn't ask them, I would have walked all the way to where I was going. How many things are we unnecessarily going through in life? Because we're not humbling ourselves to ask him who knows everything. Praise God. He knows everything, and he will help us. He will show us what we need to know if we ask. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. That's just how it works. That's That's what Jesus said. I believe what Jesus said. We're always, we're going back to what Jesus said. We're going back to what the word of God says. Not our opinions. We got to learn to abandon our opinions and embrace the word of God. Embrace the word of God. Now, Lord, is this the direction we should be going? I know, Lord, you led me now, you led me to go this way last time when I was going through a similar situation. You led me to do it this way last time. But just because I'm going through a similar situation, that doesn't mean you're going to lead me the same way. So is this the way I should handle it this time? Ask. Because it might be a different way he wants you to go this time concerning the thing that you're facing. You understand? We don't want to just assume anything. We don't want to assume anything. Well, how do you feel about it? Well, I don't know much about how I feel about it. I'll tell you what the Bible says about it. I'll tell you what the Bible says about it. So that needs to be our attitude. What does the Bible say about it? It's not about what you feel about You think about it. What I feel about it. What I think about it. I'm not, not going to get up here and preach my opinions. That'd be disgusting. Nobody wants that. I don't even want that. If I don't want my opinion, how much less do I expect you to want my opinion? <laughs> right? No, we're not, we're not looking to give opinions. We're going to say, what does the Bible say? What's the Spirit of God saying? What's the Spirit of the Lord saying to us? And everything the Spirit of God will say in us, it will only confirm what He has already said in the Word of God. It'll never contradict the Scriptures. So I said all that to say, we're getting back to the book of Acts. Getting back to the book of Acts. Can you say amen? We saw in review very quickly, we saw that the early church was a praying church. So we need to be a praying church. Each one is individual. We need to be prayers. We need to be prayers. They were an excited church. 
They weren't dull and boring. They were excited because they were full of expectation, expectancy concerning God. Faith is full of expectancy. They came together in one place. They were united in one accord. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. They spoke about a God of miracles and worked miracles among the people. And they did these things knowing that they were servants of the master and not the source of the miraculous. They understood God worked through them. It was not of themselves. The power that flowed through their lives. So they never took the credit for it. Never took the glory for it. They preached messages that were full of conviction that cut to people's hearts. They didn't just try to convince people of things. They convicted people. Or they allowed the Holy Spirit to convict people. In other words, they allowed their messages to allow the Holy Spirit to convict and move in people's lives. To do surgery in people's hearts. They preached on repentance, which we saw brings times of refreshing, which then brings times of restoration. They preached that turning from Jesus leads to utter destruction, utter destruction. And they knew the greatest blessing in life was being turned away from their iniquities. Being turned away from a life of iniquity. Praise God. You'll find that's the most exciting thing. When nothing has control over your life anymore. No sin. If sin don't have control over you, Satan ain't got nothing on you. Satan can't work any kind of working in your life. Praise God when you've been turned away. Turned away. I'm just, you know, we just be turned away because we're turned off to iniquity. We're, we turn away because we're turned off to sin. What the devil throws in front of us, it don't even tempt us. It turns us off. Because we're so turned on to God. And what he has for us is so much better. So much better that the world just can't turn us on to what they're turned on to. In fact, we can marvel sometimes just look and think, is that really what turns you on? You poor deluded soul. My Lord Jesus. It's so much a higher, such a higher place for us to be living at. Can you say amen? Number 12, they continued steadfast in the word of God or in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in fellowship. How many people know we all love one another? We need to spend more time with one another. We need to be there for one another. This is huge. They feared God. 15, they did signs and wonders. They saw people being saved daily. They knew they were God's gift to the world. People expected to receive something from them, which gave them favor with people. People need to expect to receive supernatural things from your, not just natural things. They need to expect to receive supernatural things from your life. They were unashamed and bold. They faced persecution and prison fearlessly. They didn't water down the word for anyone small or great. They sound like an awesome group of people, don't they? And we're just in chapter 4. And these are some awesome people. And it only gets more awesome as we go on in the book. Can you say amen? Now we're at the place here in Acts, the fourth chapter, where Peter and John have been arrested for preaching Jesus, preaching about Jesus. 
and because of a man who was born completely crippled and was healed by God through them. They've been arrested for it. The government didn't like that. So, so they were arrested, brought into in custody, questioned. And man, Peter, John, they didn't even flinch. They just preached to these guys, these religious leaders, these rulers, just like they preached to the common person. They just got up in their face, so to speak, and just said it like it is. And we pick that up here in Acts, the fourth chapter. And in verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Don't you love that? They looked and they saw... Look, they, they see that they were so bold. Peter and John, they were so bold. And they looked, they thought, you know, these are uneducated. These are untrained people. I mean, they haven't been taught to speak in public like this. And yet, here they are. Their words just flowing from their lips, bold as lions. And they're thinking, man, you know, we had to get educated to get, to get some of that confidence. They're trying, they're trying to figure it out. You know, a lot of times people are confident based on their education, based on how smart they are, based on their own abilities. God doesn't want your confidence in your own abilities. He wants your confidence in his ability. He wants you to completely trust in him. And when we're fully trusted in him, we're bold as lions. Praise God, we're bold and we're fearless because I mean, no, no one's too smart for God. I mean, they might be too big for their britches, but they aren't too big for God. True? Is anybody too big for God? How many people know there might be some people that are too big for you? There might be some people you get around that might be intimidating to you, you know? But these are big people, these are rulers. But are they too big for God? No, nothing's too, nothing's too big for God. Nothing's too big for God. Nobody's too big for God. So therefore, you go through life fearless, bold, and able to say it like it is. Can you say amen? So uh, again, verse 13. They saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men. They marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Been with Jesus. You know, Peter and John didn't have to sit there and say, well, I pray. I really did pray today. You know, I, I spent time with Jesus. You know, if you spend time with Jesus, people ought to see it. They should be able to see it in your life. It, it should be evident that you've, you've spent time with Jesus. In other words, spending time with Jesus transforms your life. Yes. Spending time in prayer transforms your life. We don't go in and come out the same way. Same way. We come out stronger. We come out bolder. We come out more like Jesus. Because we're not just praying. See, here's the thing that God showed me. He, he showed me that a lot of Christians have made prayer, reading of the word, God. That's God. 
That's the thing that's going to help them. That's the thing they need. They need to pray. They need to get in the word of God, read the word of God. No, you need God. I said you need God. Now we get to know God through our time of prayer and in his word. That's how we get to know him. But prayer and the Bible are not the ends. The end. It's a means to an end. The end is God. We're wanting to get to him. So if you just spend time in prayer and in the Bible, studying your Bible, that doesn't mean you spent time with Jesus. That doesn't mean you spent time with God. You know, Jesus gave us an example of that. He said there were two people that went into the synagogue to pray or into the temple to pray. And one was a religious Pharisee. The other one was, a, I think he was a tax collector. And, and they both came in. And, the, tax, and the, uh, the Pharisee, the religious guy, he began to pray and he said, Oh God, I thank thee that I am not like other men, like this tax collector over here. I pay my tithes and I do this and I fast and I do all these things. And he begins to name, you know, all these things that he does and he spends time in the scriptures and now he studies the scrolls and he understands the word of God and he's saying all these things as he's standing there in what he's calling prayer. But Jesus said, he thus prayed with himself. <laughs> he, was, he wasn't connecting with God. He's just praying with himself. He thinks, he's, he thinks he's connecting to God. He's idolizing his works, his time in the word. He's even idolizing his time at the altar. As like, that is God. That is not God. See, the devil is very tricky. Religion is very tricky. And it'll trip folks up. And we got to be aware of these things. It'll cause us to fall short of the glory of God. It'll cause us to fall short of God. And we'll be satisfied because we prayed, because we went to church, because we read our Bible. And of course, that makes us better than the next guy, because I read my Bible more than you. And I pray more than you. See, so that makes us better than the people around us. And so now you become very judgmental and very critical. But that's not what we should be becoming like at all. You know, then you got this tax collector over here who he just comes, he, he just cries out to God. He says, oh, God, forgive me, a sinner. And he's repenting to God and he's asking God for help. And he went away, Jesus said, justified. He made a connection with God. We want to make a connection with him. Now, you can, do it. you can do that too. You don't get me wrong. You know, just going to God and just whining about things and how awful you are and how terrible of a person you are and all the self-pity. That could be just as much as pride as anything else. You know, you got, you got self-exaltation over here and you got self-pity over here. Neither one are good. It's all about self. We don't want it to be about self. We want it to be about him. We want to really draw near to him. So, man, we get a hold of our Bible and we, it helps us get in there to him. We go in there, we get on our knees or whatever, in the chair, whatever. We pray and we're, we're getting to him. Yes. We come to church because we want to get close to Jesus. We want to get close to God. Hallelujah. We don't want to just be satisfied with our works. Praying, reading the Bible, going to church, doing all the right things. We want to go after him. Can you say amen?
Oh, hallelujah. That's, that's, that's what we're after. We're after him. So they uh, could see. They realized these guys had been with Jesus. They'd been with him. I mean, Jesus had rubbed off on them. Let Jesus rub off on you. Let God, the Holy Spirit, rub off on you. Let him get all over you. You need to walk away from his presence smelling like him. The Bible says that. I think it's 2 Corinthians. It talks about the fragrance of Christ. We are the fragrance of Christ. Not if you don't spend time with Christ. But if you spend time with Christ, then, see, you start rubbing up against him, and it gets on you. And somebody walks by, and they go, what is that? You say, Jesus de jour. <laughs> do do whatever, whatever it is, you know. It's, it's, it's my cologne, you know. It's, it's Jesus. Hallelujah. It's time to smell like Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's time to talk like Jesus. It's time to walk like Jesus. You don't have to ask, what would Jesus do? Just spend time with Jesus. And you'll do what Jesus does. You'll do what Jesus does. Praise God. You won't have to wear a wristband. I mean, it'll just be. It'll just be. Verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? Think about how wicked that is. They recognize this is, this is a real miracle. These guys have been with a resurrected Jesus. They're seeing this is all true, and yet they still want to stop it. These are wicked people. And we have to understand, there's people like that around us in this world. That there's nothing you can do to turn their hearts in the right direction. You say, well, if God would just do this, if God would just do this, then they'd believe. Who says? God did a lot of things for these guys. They refused to believe. They just sought to destroy Jesus, destroy the gospel, destroy the church. Didn't matter what the church did. And we got to understand that because we could think, you know, oh, we had miracles, we had this happening. If this happened, if a person was raised from the dead, if this happened, oh, then everyone believed. No, I mean, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And these same people, they were thinking, now how could they kill Jesus and Lazarus after Jesus raised him from the dead? They're thinking, we got to kill that guy. It's like, you know, it didn't work the first time. Jesus raised him from the dead. But they don't get it, see? The devil doesn't get it. And people that are full of the devil don't get it. They're just going to keep coming. They're just going to keep coming. They're bent on evil. And there's a lot of folks like that in our world today. We've met them, and we will meet them. And we need to understand that. You're not going to make everybody happy. So don't get depressed. Don't feel bad about yourself. Because you can't make everybody happy. What shall we do to them? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done among them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. We want to, but we cannot deny it. But, so that it spreads no further. That it spreads no further among the people. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak no, they speak no more in this name. 
Don't speak that name anymore. We were just singing about the name of Jesus before. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. That's why you can say, okay, say Christ, say God, but don't say the name of Jesus. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, he said to his disciples, he says, go preach the gospel. And in my name, in the name of Jesus, cast out devils, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He told him to do that. In his name. He didn't say in the name of God. He didn't say in the name of Christ. He said, you say my name. Oh, man, you can say a lot of things, but just don't say that. Now, you can pray at the graduation. But don't use the name. Don't use that name. Why? Because there's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. But it's at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. He's Lord. He's the one that came and conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he's the one the devil is afraid of. And so you need to use that name. You need to use that name. Thank God for the name. All the power of God, all the word of God is in that name of Jesus. When you can't say scripture, bless God, you could say the name of Jesus. Gene and I were driving down a wintry road many years ago. And it was actually I-64. It had been raining out. And uh, it was just right, right there about at freezing. But things weren't really frozen. So, you know, we're just cruising along. And then everything just turned to ice. It was like, it just happened. I mean, the, t- the temperature just, just dropped and everything that was on the ground just started turning to ice. And there were accidents all over the place. Cars were just wiping out all over the place. We're driving down 64. All of a sudden, man, it just turned to ice. Had no control over that car whatsoever. The car completely turned around. We were going backwards. About 50 miles an hour. And there's a semi-truck. We're looking at the headlights of the semi-truck going backwards. This is not good. I could not sit there and start quoting scripture. You understand what I'm saying? It is written, no weapon formed against us. All I could do is go, Jesus! Man, I shouted his name, but bless God, I got faith in the name. I didn't say Jesus Christ in a, you know, in a way that can get you killed. A lot of, a lot of people throw that name around and there's no power in it at, at all. But I had faith in the name. When I said Jesus, I was calling on Jesus. I was really calling on Jesus. And I really believe he hears me. And I believe that he saves me and delivers me and that he's redeemed my life from destruction. So I said, Jesus, man, that car, it was going backwards and it was headed off the side of the road and down there was big ditch, nice telephone pole, a few other things. I mean, it was bad down there, but that car, it turned right back around, moved right into the center lane. I couldn't control it. It was going off, but it stopped, turned around, went right in the center lane and slowed down. And then I remembered the semi behind me and I hit the gas. So I didn't want him sliding into me, you know. (laughs) But he rescued us. He saved our lives. How did he do it? I cried out, Jesus! Jesus! 
Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Thank God for the name of Jesus. Man, it just drives devils out of the place. Understand the authority and power that's in that name. Demons tremble at that name. So we need to declare that name, talk the name of Jesus, have confidence in the name of Jesus. Be bold concerning the name of Jesus. Praise God. And so they said, verse 17, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, severely, severe threats, that from now on they speak no more in this name. Well, how many people know uh, that threat did not work? It did not work. Notice verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I mean, these guys are off the charts. Somebody say it's time time to get back back to the book of Acts. We should be the same way. We shouldn't be so afraid. We shouldn't be so afraid of mandates and all these things that people try to put on us to try to control our lives. We shouldn't be afraid of people. Is it right to listen to men more than God? No! It's not right to listen to man more than God. We're going to listen to God. When man contradicts God, we're going with God. We're going with God. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You remember them? I mean, the king stood up. He had a fiery furnace. He said, if you don't bow and worship the image that I have set up, he said, we're going to take you right now. You see that nice furnace right there? We're going to throw you in that right now. You're going to die. You're going to burn to death right now. And they said, okay, you know, we're not going to listen to you. We're not going to bow to your image. We bow. We we serve only one God. We're not idolaters. I mean, these guys were something else. They were not afraid. And they were taking their throne in the fiery furnace. But they did not burn. In fact, the Bible says they were thrown in there bound. But the only thing that burned was the ropes that bound them. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, God is good. He's a big God. He shows himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are fully committed to him. If you, want to, if you want to see God act that way, he does it for those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Totally loyal, locked in, just like Peter and John. Well, you threatened us pretty good, but that's, that doesn't change what we're going to do. We're letting you know right now, we're still going to go and preach to Jesus. And then they probably threatened him some more. And they said, well, we're still going to preach Jesus. We can't help it. We can't help it. We have to talk about Jesus. Verse 29, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Wow. How would you like to be so full of God, full of the word, full of conviction, full of the Holy Spirit, that that you cannot but speak? You have to tell the truth. You have to tell people about Jesus. You have to do it, even if it makes you look bad. Even if they're going to call you a sissy. You think, you think, we got Christians today that bow because they're afraid of being called a sissy. Forget about the fiery furnace. Forget about the severe threats. 
They just don't want anybody at work to not like them. And so they hold back their testimony. They hold back the truth from people. It's time to break out of that. And get to the place we can't help but speak. We can't help but speak. Praise God. Well, how do, how do we get there? Well, stir up the gift of God that's on the inside and start speaking. Start speaking. Praise God. Start telling people. Meditate on the name of Jesus. And grow in your boldness concerning him. Ask him for boldness. That's what they did. Verse 21. So, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. You know, some people have the idea, well, now, God doesn't need you to lay hands on people for them to be healed. God gets all the glory. Well, I got news for you. God used Peter and John, and the people didn't glorify Peter and John. The Bible says they glorified God for what had happened. They glorified God. God works through people, but when God does it, people know God did it. And God gets all the glory. God gets all the glory. They all glorify God for what had been done. Verse 22, for the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Notice, it was a miracle of healing. Now, the word healing denotes the process by which someone gets better. They mend. And so, again, there's that word process. Healing denotes a process of mending, getting better. It's not instant. But here, this man was instantly healed. Instantly healed. That is what he calls here a miracle of healing. Again, verse 22. This miracle of healing had been performed. So it wasn't just a healing. It was a miracle of healing because it was instantaneous. It was instantaneous. We like the instantaneous, don't you? But here's what you have to understand about healing. Just because it's not instantaneous doesn't mean it isn't. Doesn't mean it isn't. And that could be the greatest challenge to people's faith. Especially when they're dealing with like a chronic problem for a long period of time. And they're in faith concerning healing, but they're not seeing, they're not seeing the healing right away in their life. Well, again, sometimes it starts in your spirit. All healing starts in your spirit. I'm talking about divine healing. Now, medical healing, that starts on the outside. You know, they'll give you medicine, they'll give you things on the outside, they'll treat you on the outside, do a surgery on the outside, do things on the outside. And we thank God for that. But divine healing is from the inside out. So again, it could take longer for that healing to manifest because it's a process, number one, of happening in your spirit. There's faith growing on the inside of you where you're laying a hold of this thing. Your mind is getting renewed to the point where you're not moved by the feelings, you're not moved by the pain, you're not moved by the circumstances, you're not moved by how things appear. And so you're growing on the inside in your faith, growing in your faith. And as you grow on the inside, then it begins to manifest on the outside and things begin to get better. And one day you notice a little difference, a little change. And then the next day you notice uh, it's, it's a little bit better and then a little bit better and a little bit better. See, and that's where faith and patience comes in. It's by faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. So so we love the instantaneous, but just because it isn't instantaneous, that doesn't mean it isn't God. Amen. 
Now, we want the miracles of healing. We want the miracles of healing. And it's a great sign and wonder to those who are lost. I mean, because of this miracle of healing, several thousand people gave their lives to the Lord. They believed in Jesus. They believed in the gospel message because of this miracle of healing. And we thank God for the miracles of healings that we've seen. And then uh, for you and I, many times it's not really even a case of healing or miracles of healing for, for, for many of us, depending on where you are spiritually, we're all different places spiritually. But for many of us, we understand that Jesus has already healed us. He's already healed us, so it's not even about getting healed. It's not even about getting better and healing working in our body. It's a matter of believing it's already done. And there's no process in that either. Well, something's already done. There's no process of it happening. You just believe it's done and that's it. We're done. We're done. You're out of here. I'm healed. That's it. And you resist every lying symptom. Every lying symptom and it has to go. And I could share some good testimonies on that, praise God, which we don't have time for right now. But thank God. Thank God for healing. God is in the healing business. Thank God we have divine healing. And we know God's in the healing business because even without the Bible, even without divine healing, he, he created our bodies in such a way that our bodies, if you get a cut, your body begins to fight to heal it. I mean, it just it does. It just goes in. It just starts clotting and then forms a scab and then it turns back to skin. I mean, it's just in us. To say, gone doesn't heal today. Somebody get me a bat. <laughs> I, I'm not going to hit the person. I'm going to hit their sacred cow. I want to beat their cow to dust. Come on, doesn't heal today. Where do, you, where do they get these things? Where do they get these? He put healing in our bodies. He even wants sinners, people that hate him to get healed. Which makes him a whole lot better than us, doesn't it? Praise God. Praise God. He loves people so much. Even though they're wicked and they're contrary to him and everything else, he still put healing in their body and, 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 and then get, raise up medical science and doctors and all kinds of people that could, that could work to try to help them on the outside. Mm-hmm. Even though they're nasty on the inside. But, but God wants people healed. He's in the healing business. How much more does he want you healed? Come on. How much more does he want a child of his? Yeah who loves him, who wants to know him, who's drawing you. How much more does he want you? Healthy, strong, and blessed. Come on, give him a good shout this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.